Welcome to Prompted by Nature, a weekly podcast that explores the connection between nature and creativity through storytelling. Each week, we'll dive into heartfelt conversations with the humans working in and with nature to support our planet and the creatures, including us, that inhabit it. Each conversation is punctuated by a meditation and writing prompt created by me, Helen, a meditation teacher, writer and outdoor creativity guide to help you to explore the issues and topics covered in a more meaningful and creative way. Because when we allow ourselves time and space to deeply listen and connect, we bring ourselves closer to a place in which we can truly live prompted by nature. to episode four, series two of Prompted by Nature. I'm really excited about releasing this absolutely fascinating interview on sustainability in tech and engineering with eco-designer, engineer and constant questioner Erica Purvis. Erica does so much in her arena, so it's kind of hard to keep it concise. (laughs) But just to give you a little bit of background, Erica set up as Technical Nature an independent design hub six years ago to explore and question the evolving role of a designer in a world that doesn't really need more stuff. She collaborates across sectors, businesses, NGOs, policy and community to inspire, connect and support taking creative action for people and planet through various levers for change. After graduating with a first-class master's in product design engineering at Glasgow University and Glasgow School of Art, Her career began at Philips in the Netherlands in 2008, specialising in eco-design, life cycle thinking, cradle to cradle and sustainability product strategy and implementation for their consumer electronic products, translating corporate vision to practical engineering action. She then moved to explore other facets of design for change, behavioural, community and political as programme design and evidence manager of environmental NGO Waste Watch in London, merging later with Keep Britain Tidy. Since then, as technical nature, she blends all these experiences, perspectives and disciplines to, to cultivate considered design and tech for life, often working with electronic and product-based organisations, accelerators and startups to seed ideas, build eco-design and circular knowledge, and develop holistic sustainability strategies that dig deeper into the root cause of problems and systems. A lot of her recent work has been on the growing global issue of e-waste, as we discuss in the episode. Continuing a learning by doing approach, she's co-founded the Open Source Circular Economy Days, a global campaign and practical action hub exploring and championing the role of open source in circular design. She's also published research on the role of circular makespaces for redistributed manufacturing and was on the drafting committee for the BSI 8001 framework for implementing the principles of the circular economy in organisations. Most recently, she's contributed to a book on the circular economy and design coming out in Brazil later in the year, the link for which is in the show notes. Alongside this, she is passionate about empowering young people to explore their values and developing skills for the environment and well-being, working in education and learning 
with people of all ages from schools to universities and European Coaching with Climate KIC, developing and delivering programmes on sustainable innovation, co-design STEM or STEAM and holistic regenerative entrepreneurship for life. She's continually exploring how best to integrate nature more fluidly and holistic into her life and work and enjoys spending time in nature, walking, cycling or in the garden with her family, including their adopted dog. She loves learning and experimenting more about home food growing, blending in permaculture design and deciding on their new energy system for the house, renewably based naturally. Erica volunteers and champions great things going on in the local Reading area where she now lives and is involved with bringing the new local community energy scheme, Reading Hydro CBS, to life and co-founding the Circular Economy Club in Reading. She's also an environmental... I can't say this word, so I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna try. Environmental ambassador and edits the London area pituitary foundation newsletter. And as you can tell, she is an absolute wonder woman. In this conversation, we discuss sustainable product design, the link between social justice and environmental justice, the possibilities surrounding startups and product design, repair cafes e-waste and circular economies, recycling as a last resort and the need to focus on reduction and reuse of waste materials, how she came to blend tech with her creativity and love of nature, biomimicry, zoomorphic design and looking to nature for inspiration, the true cost of product design and the need for true leadership, the need to honour indigenous wisdom and to take inspiration from their traditional design systems, the concept of trash into treasure, her message for you as a consumer, quote unquote, how she stays creative as an engineer and her hope for the future. This conversation ran a little longer than my others, but I never like to edit my guests and everything Erica says is fascinating and prompts some important questions and thinking points. You can find Erica over on her website, www.technicalnature.org.uk and on Instagram and Twitter at technicalnature. As always, I'm over on Insta at prompted.by.nature and on my website, www.promptedbynature.co.uk. If you like this or any of the other episodes, please do leave a five-star review and a nice comment if you have time. Remember to stay until the end when I'll give you a little insight into the meditation and writing prompt that follows the episode. Happy listening and I will speak to you after. Lots of bits and bobs this morning, like admin stuff, and then I'm writing a research report cool. on e-waste. Oh. So um, there's lots. Problem is, like I'd started it before, but then lots of stuff has been coming out just recently. Yeah. So it's like, oh no, there's new new stats, new statistics. Oh, interesting. They're getting worse. That's the headline. Oh. <laughs> what? There's just more of it. Yeah, both more of it and less being reported as being collected. Interesting. Um, so, like, I think it's only like seventeen percent of what what e-waste that should be collected is kind of in the world. Wow! So there's like eighty percent lost, burned, dumped, <laughs> or just wow. um, yeah. 
because I know when we spoke, you were like, what do you want to know? There's like so much <laughs> to do. So I was thinking... It's always difficult to kind of piece together, I find, <laughs> with what I do. So in that case, why don't you start by just saying the title that you would give yourself and mm. then how you got to that point, like how your journey led you to be what that is. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> I changed my title sometimes. No. That's <laughs> yeah. okay. Change it as much as you want. God. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I was trying to think, like, how do I <laughs> It's one of those things that, you know, you work sometimes, well, I work with a lot of businesses and startups, and you're like, oh, get very clear on your, you know, what exactly you do so you can say it. And you're like, oh, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's part of, yeah, that's part of what, why I'm probably better or good at what I'm doing is the mm -hmm. diversity yeah yeah so I work as a designer in sustainable design and innovation often with lots of different types of organizations or businesses but ones that are really looking to to build environmental or social impact into their, their way of working and doing that um, I would say and I think designer often you know people think you might be in, in web design or, or product design or things like that, but uh, I use almost that term in that um, methodology or thinking around uh, like problem solving, solution finding, um, questioning uh, a lot of things around it, but ultimately to try and produce or come up with something or enable others um, to, to find solutions to either human needs or environmental and hopefully combining them um, to not kind of get and something that, that really struck me working as a designer, um, originally in, in the very physical product sphere, which I still work in, so product design, um, industrial design, um, to not produce also unintended consequences mm. of that design that you might be making and, and you might be very much um, focusing on a particular user need or a demographic but not necessarily look at it all holistically about how that might impact others or those who might be making the product, which is a whole area that we might talk about, um, how, how it might impact them or the environment um, to produce that solution. One thing that I often describe also myself is a kind of unproduct designer. Oh. <laughs> so, <ooh. laughs> um, or, or, and, and what I suppose I mean by that is um, quite often you might be looking at a, a problem. One example I often use is air quality oh. and you might have bad air quality in your home or in a, in a local area and maybe from a very technology approach uh, you might try to solve it from making a very big air purifier that sucks air out of the, you know, <laughs> out of the pollution or in your home or things like that. Um, but actually when you really ask why, 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 which is I suppose the kind of design thinking or design approach, and when you get to that kind of root cause of the problems, it's, it's probably more to do with um, traffic, air infrastructure, you know, potential manufacturing or stuff in the area. So it's, not necessarily a product which is a solution um, mm. but it might be part of it but it could also really be about the kind of a, a 
a policy or infrastructure change or behaviour change elements as well. So I think, um, yeah, definitely describing what I do is, is quite, quite difficult because that, I suppose, when you think as a, a designer and what I found purely when I started off with product design, which I, um, that's what I originally studied, um, it kind of narrows the boundaries of, of how you can solve a problem mm -hmm. or not necessarily um, solve it in the right way as well. I'm not sure if I've really got to where I am. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, so I was just thinking in terms of like, say for example, like a business was, was to come to you, what would they, what, what would they be approaching you for? What would be the reasons that they would come to you? Yeah, I suppose a lot of the businesses that I work with at the moment are either kind of maybe larger corporate ones who are looking to innovate around the product. And I think a lot of innovation starts with either looking at different areas or grassroots innovation and what's happening in different parts. I've got quite a good overview of that. So it's, it's kind of giving them a bit of a kind of trend or insight really into mm. um, what's going on in the sustainability arena or wider. Um, or the other side is also startup businesses. So earlier stage um, ones who are, who are looking to think, well, how can I really take this idea further and what are the, the next steps that I do? Um, but also particularly, how do I do that sustainably? Um, one, one kind of really good discipline or, or an interesting area around that is, is something called kind of life cycle analysis or, or life cycle thinking, um, which is really looking at a kind of a product or their business like holistically mm -hmm. um, thinking if you are going to make something um, you know where does the stuff come from how is it extracted um, how, where are you transporting it from to then also how are you how does the user actually use it and what mm -hmm. maybe the impacts around that as well and then finally um, which unfortunately is probably an area that a lot of businesses or organizations at the moment and is, is where I really try to think about design in a different way is is what do they what happens to it mm. and I think the traditional approach either with a lot of business or a lot of design and product design areas is very much at that that front end and that manufacturing side um, traditionally uh, at university or design or engineering you kind of get you get taught about design for manufacturing so how can you make something really well and I, I think that's and easy to make and make lots of them at once. And I think that's kind of what you know, the industrial revolution and the industrialized system or industrial design was built around is how do we mass manufacture yeah. and things. But you never, universities are getting better now. And I've seen a lot of design degrees um, beginning to change, including much of that. But there was never any really thought of well, what, what happens to them after that. Once it's in, the consumer's hands, citizen's hands or, or used, what happens to it at the end of life. And I think that's that's where we're seeing a big shift now, or mm. maybe not big enough, mm. <laughs> um, is, is kind of thinking actually as a business or as a designer, um, what are the responsibilities you have for what happens to the product mm. later on down the line and how can you design for that? Um, and that's, that's where, and you 
probably heard of, of the, um, the name, that's where the kind of the circular economy thinking has been growing a lot of it. It's similar to also that kind of life cycle thinking um, I talked about before, but we're really kind of thinking about organizations and businesses to, to design, you know, for that end of life or what happens um, to it as well. So rather than the kind of the linear economy mm. that we have very much still now, yeah. <laughs> um, take my waste and, and not really thinking about that. How do we actually get um, that all much more, you know, in the limits mm. of the planet and the resources that we have as well? And that's that's quite a big responsibility for you as a designer and someone that works with companies to like take that on. That's because it. it I wonder if. Um, because it could be that it, it, it takes the responsibility off the consumer because it's like, and I wonder if that's kind of part of what the problem is, is that for so long we have just relied on the designers or, you know, the products to just, um, to be the things that are sustainable or to be the things that are, that work for a long time. So we don't ever have to replace them. And, I wonder if some of that responsibility could be put on the consumer as well. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting point, and I think um, I think it's it's already always interesting the role of the designer, and often also in the circular economy, a lot of the kind of things like oh, the designer, it's all the designer's responsibility, mm. but actually the realities of a lot of designers, or you know, even even myself, in different ways that you work, you you have to make a living or an income or you're um you're working in an organization to a brief <laughs> and the brief comes up you know from the top of the business or or maybe the marketing team who have done a consumer kind of feedback of well what do we need to make um which sometimes that consumer feedback is then fueled by businesses mm. advertising certain things <laughs> that you might need or want or you know the consumerist model um and the reality is a designer that like how how far can you really go in that to, to make something different or better when you're kind of stuck in this this kind of cycle cog of, of um push-pull kind of marketing and consumer needs what i would say i think it's it's really interesting and i think um perhaps now the last couple of years I've seen a real rise in consumer awareness of the environmental problems you know since Blue Planet and, and all of these yeah. things Fridays for the Future, Greta Thunberg um, just more recently also but into interlinking um, Black Lives Matter and climate justice and, and linking all of these different elements together that that more and more people are beginning to question the kind of the system that we're in and question well you know, actually our whole economy is built up on businesses or, or the government really trying to, to push us to buy things um, as well. So I think part of it is, you know, up to, to lots of individuals who are able to take or have the time in this fast marketed, uh, constantly advertising world to kind of step back and, and kind of think about, question 
um, some of the things that they're being sold or, or different lifestyle choices that they might be able to take. Um, but I think the reality is that is this, this very kind of big system built around <laughs> um, citizens to, to become consumers and to not really think about um, what's happening up upstream or downstream yeah, <laughs> and yeah. just yeah, kind of this thing there so I think I do I like in a way I think um, there is a lot of responsibility on people to kind of take their choices and also education systems and, and things mm. to grow that awareness but I think it is also and that's I suppose why I've, I've um, it was actually when I, I used to work in a corporate organization kind of designing making products and then I moved to the NGO uh, or campaigning world <laughs> to kind of also see what the role of policy plays mm. so I think there is the, the kind of general public and citizens but then also like policy and actually yeah. you know a lot of citizens become activists and campaigners which mm -hmm. push policy which kind of force either governments or, or um business regulation as well so you kind of all, almost need all of these mm. levers um of kind of design thinking in a way <laughs> mm. to to activate system change um, yeah around it i think and and i mean i i um i've not even mentioned i i run my own organization technical nature which is me and what i've always been kind of fascinated in is in the role of technology um, for the environment but also degradation role that technology potentially has also against the environment and human mm. um, health so it's kind of an interesting play off on words i suppose mm. the, the technical nature aspect that i work in um, but i think the one really interesting thing about technology at the moment or maybe the ironic thing is that our digital devices um, internet um, all of these things have enabled us to to find out more mm. or question more um, than ever before again or, or what was once on the other side of the world out of sight out of mind out of mind mm. <laughs> mining or things yeah. like that out of mind um, you know it, it's it's making it easier for more and more people to um, you know, find out about how stuff's made again. Mm. <laughs> um, find out about the conditions and um, that things are made, all the environmental, you know, catastrophes that are like happening mm. all over the world, um, as well as bring um, movements together. I suppose to mm. you know, to really big movements together to, to kind of say something has to be done uh, mm. about something as well. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, kind of tying in with what you were saying there and, and the idea of environmental change and social justice and all of that sort of thing. And the idea that, because it, and this, this might sound really strange, I was having a conversation with my neighbour the other day and he's got, for some reason, I don't know why, he's got three printers and he said, do you need a printer? And I said, oh no, but I might know someone that does. And we kind of got onto this conversation about things not lasting and how, you know, we were kind of talking about the price of 
printers. <laughs> it's a strange <laughs> conversation to have with your neighbour. But and we started talking about how, um, oh, well, people don't want expensive things. They want cheap things that will just run their course and then they can get rid of. And I feel like there's a real, um, almost like a loggerhead, which is, like you said about, you know, we've almost been fed this thing of be a consumer, be a consumer. And everything has become so cheap, but at a cost. And I, 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 in, in terms of like social change, I feel like that is a huge flip that needs to be made because actually the things that are more sustainable at the moment are a lot more expensive. And so that pushes it out of the ring for certain people who just can't afford to spend 250 pounds on on a printer that lasts forever yeah. and then you can re you can recycle all of the components once it's done and i think that like you said about the the policy changing going back and so often i think things can just be a plaster like you said about the air purifier well we wouldn't need an air purifier if the air wasn't polluted and sometimes these things can be a, a a plaster and I feel like that it's all kind of tied in with this idea of just we'll create a product that you can buy for really cheap and don't worry about the rest of it we work and 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 it's almost like that distraction from the fact that people can't afford to buy a printer that will last them for the rest of their lives because financial situations or the fact that these sorts of products are either not made or if they are there's no like financial incentive like not percent finance for as long as you need it until you've paid it off do you know what I mean I feel like yeah yeah and I think I mean that's that's the kind of area that I've I've got into a little bit more also with the kind of the startup community and like accelerators and incubators and things and a lot of that is also looking at innovating um around their business models mm -hmm. and I think that's where you know some of the more innovative business models and I think they're often uh, smaller <laughs> smaller startups who are actually able to be more agile yeah. and experiment at maybe not such a high cost as if a large organizations that have been you know selling printers for years and years <laughs> and then try to change their thing but actually you know there might be a startup and i think an example is either um uh, fairphone who are kind oh, yeah. of an ethical mobile company who kind of experimented really by doing <laughs> around looking at how do we trace our supply chains and then looked at how do we make a modular phone so other bits are easier to change rather than um, the whole phone as well and I think I mean in London I think oh, what are they called again library of things um, there's a lot of this kind of move to to experiment again with um, leasing with different types of business models as, as again I suppose that um, people's awareness in the market or you know like the conversations you had with your neighbour mm. are beginning again and there's more and more of those kind of things happening where um, you know why can't I repair my phone why is it that they blocked me almost out of doing it mm. <laughs> and if I do it it's really expensive yeah. and why can't just a normal phone um organization repair organization do it and apple have just you know mm. kind of decided that they're going to do it but actually there's a kind of a movement um called the right right to repair mm. and if an eu uh, coalition around that or maybe 
um, and some great organisations like um, the Restart Project, uh, Repair Cafes are involved um, and they've been doing quite a lot of grassroots work with communities so um, if you've not heard of a Repair Cafe or a Restart Party it's kind of run by communities where people who maybe have a background or knowledge in repairing tech or electronics or sewing <laughs> um, kind of come together and actually offer for free their kind of services that, that people can come, they can bring one of their products or appliances and they'll kind of help fault find or fix it um, for you. So what I think is great about that is that, you know, it shows that the, the community and more and more people are wanting to be able to repair their things again. But also, um, you know, they're, they're getting really interesting data that maybe only usually big, big businesses uh, would be knowing what, what their faults and what kind of the things getting wrong. Interesting, and be able yeah. to use that as actually a um, campaigning tool as well. What's interesting, I suppose, particularly around the, the kind of the tech electronics area also at the moment, um, is that... Yeah, the, the, in the UK, they've just had kind of one of these environmental audits where they scrutinise a particular issue, mm -hmm. and, and the MPs get different, you know, people to, to come and give um, statements and, and then kind of interview and witness to find out about it. And they've just done one on e-waste and the mm -hmm. circular economy. So this is kind of recognising is the UK doing enough around um, e-waste, um, which is the fastest growing waste stream in the world. Uh, I think just a month or, or so ago, or, or even a couple of weeks, the new statistics came out um, around that out of, you know, the e-waste produced and all, all the things, all, all the tonnages that should be getting um, taken back and recycled or reused and, and the rarer minerals and metals and gold and silver and all of these other things um, repurposed, only about 17% is actually um, recycled or reused and, and they don't know actually where a lot of it ends up wow. of it, you know um, ending up in kind of illegal waste streams or in places that aren't really able to to take apart safely um, yeah. as well which is where the kind of the health impacts intertwine um, some of the environmental impacts yeah. as well around that yeah because if it's even the idea that it's cheaper than to replace than to repair you know, yeah. I think that's that's a lot of what the problem is. It's just, oh, I, you know, like you said about getting your phone fixed. Oh well, I'll, I'll just get a new one because like my screen's cracked. Okay. Oh, see, I just dropped it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it cracked, and I had it replaced because I just refused to buy a new one because I was like, yeah. it works. I'm not getting a new one. And then like later that day, lo and behold, I cracked it again, and I'm still mm -hmm. not going to replace it. And I'll save up and get the screen replaced but actually it would be cheaper for me to just replace the phone rather than um just keep getting the screen replaced but like you said i i and this is me i know nothing about you know what you you know you're very much behind the scenes you know about the ins and outs of what goes on there all i know is I don't want my phone to end up in the sea. I don't want my phone to end up in landfill where, like you say, it can end up not just having an effect on the fishes and the animals and the wildlife, but on mm. us, because if it's leaching down into the, you know, through the soil, through the, it's, it's coming into the water table. Yes. It's coming into, you know, everything into our food chain, everything. And 
um, I think there's such a separation between what goes in the bin and what happens after it for people. You know, it's just like, oh, just put it in the bin and you just don't think about it. Yeah, and I think particularly around tech, which, you know, it's, it's come very fast mm. and it, it, it goes out of date very fast yeah. as well. Um, I think, to be honest, I think there's own, we're probably still learning and even, you know, the, the waste and recycling industry um, is still developing or having to constantly evolve yeah. <laughs> the technology to then be able to deal with um, the, the different kind of waste that comes out, which I think going back and, and maybe going to the more of the front end of the design um, chain makes it also difficult to know what exactly to design for. Mm. Um, so quite a lot, and when I did some, some work around e-waste, or <laughs> electronic products a number of years ago also it was kind of kind of rule of thumb that um you know if i don't know vacuum cleaner size or something like that like it will probably go in a shredder mm. <laughs> at the end of like you know so it'll be chopped so so do you design it to be disassembled or, or but actually you know you should do that to be able to repair it maybe yeah. earlier on and then at the end of you know at the end end, end of life um what you know, what happens to it eventually but what parts can you kind of take out um before that as well but yeah i think i think that's the area and to, and to be honest you know i i'm not i'm exactly how like um what you your, your printed circuit board so that you know the real small tiny electronics and, mm. and um integrated circuits and things which are you know on all of our kind of hardware that we find in electronics like how do they really you know it's kind of melted or smelted and all of those bits kind of uh, taken apart um as well some of the big chunks are easy or if you know like a car you can get the big bits of metal and all, you know all of those bits you can see uh, but other bits it gets really quite minute now yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, then I, and then i suppose that has an environmental impact as well the whole recycling process then has yeah and i think i mean i think that's that's why it, you know it's always nice to go back to the, the old kind of waste hierarchy the you know reduce reuse recycle you know rethink right at the top, yeah. at the top. and and what i kind of always say and when you look at a lot of um, where we are really now across the world is we're kind of you know getting a, well not actually even okay we're kind of getting there with recycling but really that that should have been you know that's the last yeah you know um, resort <laughs> resort really yeah. um and um you know how do you really focus much more on the, the kind of reduction mm. in the first place of the mm. amount of waste or materials or green products um so the kind of the reuse aspects as well um and then thinking about you know the reuse aspects that's when interesting business models or you know different organizations pop up or, or need to pop up more to to facilitate that so how can it be much more easy or attractive um, you know, for people to buy uh, a second-hand mm. kind of device yeah. or, or, or things like that? I mean, I think the fashion industry, um, you know, that's had quite a lot of environmental scrutiny and looking at the design of that and the supply chain mm -hmm. um, ethics as well. And even, I think they're 
they're beginning to see that there's a growth in the second-hand market more than <laughs> the, like the new markets. Yeah. But and that's probably got quite a lot. If you go online, there's lots mm -hmm. of businesses now. There's always been vintage or you know, like those kind of things. But how do you do that type of thing for other types of products that are mm -hmm. maybe um, more technical or tech, mm -hmm. where it does get you know certain bits get outdated and obsolete? Um, maybe in a number of years, you know, record players are back in fashion or things yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, quite a lot of the other things aren't. I think. Um, it was interesting and somebody told me that their, their kids was doing um, 1980s history. Ooh, what do you do in 1980s history? And oh, they're looking at like VHS and oh, you know, good old or, or things like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I think, um, yeah, I think it's really fascinating mm. to really think, you know, how fast, how, you know, from your, your parents' generation to our generation to kind of, you know, next generation as well you know, particularly the technology like things become almost completely unrecognizable yeah um, maybe mm. in other products a chair still a chair <laughs> you know <laughs> things like that it's not completely changed but quite a lot of them the devices or technology is completely different um, mm. I, there is a nice book called um, notes from a nervous planet oh yeah Matt Hay. Matt. yeah yeah and I think there's a quote that I often use. Um, I do some work in, in school sometimes, also oh, cool. volunteer kind of supporting, particularly around STEAM, science, technology, engineering, yeah. arts and maths, and you yeah. know, girls and tech oh, they, and, and stuff like that. They've added, they've added arts in now. I didn't know. Well, that. not the official STEM, but no. there's a kind of oh, wider okay. STEAM thing. And I think oh, cool. for me, I think that's really important. Bring yeah. the, the arts, thinking about ethics, you know, more of the kind of creativity and um, I think that's probably where I, with my background, kind of mm. came at, at engineering a lot more, yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. was just always blending it together and of course the nature. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a quote in there and it's about, I think in the year 2000, there was no Snapchat, WhatsApp, mm. Google was just, you know, you didn't know what that was and the cloud mm. was something you, you know, see in the sky and it's always just like, <laughs> yeah. what of this didn't exist. Um, yeah, that that long ago. Yeah. Um, kind of linking in with what you said about the kind of uh, the arts, like you said about the steam and, and that sort of thing, because I was thinking when you were speaking about how creative I think we all have to be in this, in not just creative in the products that we're buying, and the way that we're spending our money but what we do with the products when we've got them and then what we do with them when they finished or and then you know the whole like the going back to the product design and the marketing and all of that it's it's um it, it's take it, it's that big push of i think creativity which is i agree i think the arts is so important and it has been pushed out you know in favor of science you know when i was a teacher mm -hmm. um drama was being cut and art was being cut and it's just how can you how can you think that that's going to lead to anything that's going to be of <laughs> any use to the world but um but yeah no so i was just thinking as i was as you were speaking um we can kind of go on and talk about your own creativity but i kind of wanted to start at the beginning in terms of what was it that 
made you decide to make nature and sustainability the focus of your work? Because it could be so easy just to, you know, if you're in tech, the options are endless. Mm. Um, what was it that made you decide to just really hone in on that? Yeah. I, I tried to figure that out actually a while ago, you know, when you kind of trace your life, <laughs> your lifeline and well, what are those different things that obviously seeded a different approach or, or, or reasoning for, for me in my approach. And I think it was interesting that very much, um, I suppose I grew up in Scotland <laughs> with, uh, with kind of, I miss it now, uh, actually, I think with, all the um, lockdown that we've had recently, <laughs> recently, although I'm quite lucky where I live to have a garden. Mm. But um, yeah, my, my parents kind of live on the side of a hill in the area of the Highlands. So you could just kind of run up a hill anytime or out in nature constantly, uh, whatever the weather, you know, only uh, wrong clothes. Um, <laughs> so I think I always grew up with kind of, we always liked going outside, being in nature, even as a little kid I would like grab my books and just go out to the garden to read instead <laughs> so, like so you know being surrounded in that to kind of be creative or read or mm -hmm. just do things like that um, and I think it got to a stage I suppose when you, you're kind of figuring out well what what do I want to do or, or what am I interested in um, which is a degree at Glasgow University and School of Art called Product Design Engineering which is quite um there's a few around the country that do it. Um, but what's different there is that you do part of your degree at the Glasgow School of Art Amazing. and part of your degree at uh, Glasgow University. So the engineering and the art and the product design, and then you kind of have to blend them together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of, I suppose, an approach that I've always had as kind of blending interests mm -hmm. <laughs> or blending disciplines. So if it doesn't exist or there's not a set kind of, word or name or job mm. <laughs> kind of create it yeah as well and i think i think the nature side it was interesting um, some of like just the little projects that you do at university throughout the different years and stuff and, and it just we weren't particularly taught about it i think i went to some outside lectures or interesting talks that didn't necessarily um weren't the set ones in your degree that kind of infiltrate or not filtered in <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, I think there was one, this lady came and, and she talked about like, when was the last time your foot touched the ground or the earth? Mm. And that how she'd made a journey from, you know, wherever in Sweden, got to the airport, walked on the pavement, da, da, da. Wow. and you're completely disconnected from, from nature. Yeah. Like a lot of, and I think a lot of people are. Um, yeah every step or every journey that you go on when do you actually really touch or feel or things like that mm. um without quite often we have to intentionally build it into our day and i think that's that's something that i'm more and more trying to do is like how do you more fluidly build nature mm. into your work even though i think as a sustainability environmental designer that you're kind of your passion that's what you're doing mm. <laughs> and working with organizations that also care and kind of love that um, but then actually you kind of step back and, and then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of in an office or, or you know, wherever that's in a city or yeah. things, not really um, connected to it as well. But um, 
yeah, a lot of my, my kind of early stage designs, they always built in some kind of, well, what, what happened to the product after it? How do I recycle it? Or um, there was one, I think, around recycling, looking at how, I don't know, the recycling truck still looks exactly the same as the waste truck, almost. Mm. And then, you, know, you were saying, well, what yeah. happened to it afterwards? Yeah. So, you know, like, oh, bamboo and da-da-da. Mm. <laughs> like, you see, yeah, how do you make it look more kind of yeah. environmental thing? So I'd always built in different disciplines or, or looked at other design things like um, there's something called biomimicry um, which is looking kind of to nature for inspiration um, kind of nature's wisdom around that and you know, some just famous examples are um, the velcro the, the man who kind of looked at nature and saw how nature kind of stuck on <laughs> stuck on the side of, of people's clothes or whatever actually you know that hook and, and mechanism Comes from that or you can look at kind of ecosystem levels of nature or processes or color changes and I think mm. that's always been an interesting area or zoomorphic which is kind of looking at nature shapes and forms and I remember doing a kind of a, a one-handed um, so how do you grate cheese it's not a very sustainability problem yeah. <laughs> but how do you grate cheese if you had maybe a disability or you only had one Mm -hmm. one working arm or maybe no no yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something like that so universal design kind of approach mm -hmm. um and then I ended up kind of looking at a cheese plate and that added like a form on the side that looked a bit like a rabbit so then it was called thumper and it worked a bit like a stapler and things. Oh, wow. so, so yeah it, and like none of these have been made these are all just yeah. concepty <laughs> stuff as well but, but somehow yeah I always kind of built in kind of nature or an environmental design into um, and then I suppose one one I suppose big element was um, I spent an Erasmus year in NTNU in Trondheim so in, mm. in Norway and there actually we were able to kind of choose a few different topics that wouldn't usually be in the normal product design um, degree that I was doing before and one of them that I chose was life cycle analysis and eco-efficiency <laughs> which then I suppose and, and I think that was the same time as the book Cradle to Cradle had come out mm -hmm. um, which kind of precursor circular economy as well and kind of reading that and doing the LCA course like just really solidified I suppose my thinking around design and the responsibilities of it mm. um, but questioning also you know the whole product design <laughs> world or industrial um, ethos um, about how or why we're making things and how, how to kind of do it better as well. But I suppose I'm quite, in a way, it's always difficult. I'm kind of, you know, the reality is like a lot of these products are great. They've done amazing things um, for the world, uh, you know, a lot of health products, a lot of you know, our communication, we couldn't be talking and, mm, yeah. <laughs> and connecting um, like, like that. So, you know, not all products should disappear. It's, it's we have to think which ones are really, you know, really useful when mm -hmm. we need it. Um, and how do we really design them better with those, those kind of longevity and, and better better for all, better for those who are making them, fairer, ethical as well. And, and um, 
And I think going back to like what you said, I, I really like to take it as a kind of creative um, approach and, and a challenge that actually, you know, when you know, we should all want to be designing or, or doing the best thing and like if a business and organization it's like don't you want to like design yeah. the best product ever <laughs> or like, and if you if, if you want it to be it's got to consider these elements mm. otherwise it's it's really not that innovative it's not you know it's not saying really well designed if, if you're not really considering you know the people's welfare now and in the future but also you know the environment and how you're doing it um i think yeah there is a lot of you know the design world can be quite a i don't know not snobby <laughs> to really say that that's what it is like yeah, yeah but like uh, like a lot of disciplines you know there's a lot of um shininess or oh this is new and amazing but you're like well hang on really is it and, and get get caught up in people or you know the whole whole thing there but i think there is always that kind of that stepping back and questioning and looking at the big picture um, which is hard to do I suppose within again that kind of the, that system that we're in which you know you want to be part of the community or the norm or, or whatever but then actually hang on that's, <laughs> that's not, not a great design yeah it seems like such a no-brainer in terms of like, I, you know, when you were saying about um, thinking about the process and the products and, and it just seems like at the stage we're at now in the world, it's like, how could you even be thinking of it being any other way? And I know it's really easy for me to sit here. I don't work. I'm not the CEO or COO or whatever they're called of some yeah. massive um, multinational uh product firm I'm not working to a budget in terms of like you know I'm not in charge of everything and saying right you need to make something that costs this much money to the consumer which means it's going to cost us like 50p to make or whatever <laughs> so yeah. our profit margins or whatever but yeah it just seems like yeah I I, I just think it's a no-brainer but then I'm aware that I know very little about it I suppose is what I'm trying to say yeah, no, but I mean, I think all of those, those kind of points you mentioned are those kind of, you know, a lot of his really tight margins. And mm. we talked a bit about the, um, you know, the way that the true cost of things, I suppose, isn't really accounted for. And it's all in mm. a kind of fake true cost system that's yeah. been pushed lower and lower. So then, you know, it does, it does take quite bold leadership mm. now I think to be able to start to try and shift those things but not I'm definitely not letting them off the hook because it really doesn't take that much <laughs> but I think particularly for larger organizations that have shareholders mm. that are still um you know growth is the kind of the norm of business mm. and, and and shareholders and investors and, and things like that still so when they're pushed by all of those different stakeholders you're, you know it's almost trapped in you know they've almost trapped themselves in that system to deliver mm. um, at those costs and, and growing faster and cheaper and, and, and stuff around that as well um, so I think it is almost and that's where you're beginning to see you know some changes I think I saw in America they, they're kind of 
changes little bits about what the role of business is, you know, that it's, it's got to to society yeah. as well as shareholders yeah. Yeah. Ooh, really yeah. <laughs> um you know there but there are you know small changes beginning to happen at that level and i think um that's uh, yeah i'm not a I'm, I'm not a huge kind of i'm not a huge kind of um, knowledgeable about money the money financial mm. investing and stuff i've learned a bit more about that to try and understand those kind of those mechanisms mechanisms and things more um because you know that is that's, that's for all like a lot of the power or the system is, is you know, hidden by yeah. um, either large corporations who are you know, bigger than countries and in power or you know the shareholders or investors of those mm. large corporations yeah. um as well that, that um i think it's really interesting I've been, I've been reading a book recently um, called The Divide okay. by Jason, Jason Pickle. Mm. And, and that almost traces back the roots of capitalism okay. and also very much linking. And, and when I talk or think about, you know, a, a linear economy, it's very much built up on a kind of colonial yeah. <laughs> extraction mm. um you know slave trades yeah. uh, all of this kind of things which to be honest there are modern slavery practice and conflict between minerals and materials and, and things like that that you know supply chains and companies have to try and mm. you know um regulate or standardize around but actually you know it, it's not really changed mm. that much where you see where most of our products, materials, and the resources, and particularly around tech, you know, comes from mm. um, China, from Africa, from yeah. <laughs> um, other other places around the world. To to then, you know, coming from the north, and then potentially also ending up back there to try and be pulled apart or, or yeah. something in, in some form as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's. Yeah, it's 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 a big it's a big system that needs some yeah. uh, shifting and, and changing as well. But I think what I what I really am kind of disheartened to see um, over the last couple of years is just really growth in awareness and questioning around it, mm-hmm. and and I suppose particularly smaller businesses innovating around it. Um, mm. Larger businesses often get their innovation from looking at what smaller businesses yeah, and yeah. communities are doing um, as well. So I think, you know, there, there's those ripple, ripple effects um, that happen around it. Mm. It feels like there's a lot about like the power of the question mark. I was thinking like a lot of what you have been saying is, is literally about just stick a question mark at the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that what if. And yes. why don't we try? Um, and I think that feels quite exciting that finally, although I know that there are companies that have been doing it for a long time or have been trying to, but finally that momentum might be starting to pick up. Um, and as you were speaking about, you know, taking like inspiration from nature and just pretty much everything you've been saying, I started to think about, you know, like the life cycle of the year, 
for example. You know, spring is a time of um, everything's new, everything's being birthed. Then it comes to, to summer where it's very much established, it's abundant, da, 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 da. And then there's that wind down in autumn. And then winter is that time of regeneration, of going back to the earth, dying, literally, you know, lots of trees yeah, yeah. shed their leaves, things die, they become part of the earth, the compost, and then they regrow. And it's like, that feels like that's what that business structure could be, is like you said about Velcro coming from, you know, being inspired by yeah. nature. You know, it feels like all we really need to do is turn to um, the natural world around us for this inspiration no definitely and I think I think that's I think that's an area that I'm really really interested to kind of almost go back to <laughs> again and, and learn learn more about but also really look at it from from now having worked within business and different types of organizations and business modeling but then go look well hang on you know, actually, you know, what, how does nature really do that kind of system Ooh. thing? Um, I think it's really interesting, like, is, is growth always good? Or, you know, once yeah. you grow too much, it kind of becomes evasive. <laughs> or, or things, or, you know, growth system breakdown, sometimes if, if one part of nature maybe becomes too dominant um, as well. But there's, I suppose, within the environmental sustainability, there's a kind of move also, like, um, really acknowledging a lot of the indigenous wisdom, so a lot of design or you know of, of systems that, or cultures that are still or you know were or still much more closely connected to nature and, and mm. a different type of wisdom and knowledge than our tech-driven yeah. <laughs> one that, that and, and through our education system we kind of went for rather than that kind of mm. arts or spiritual and, and more connected um, to nature and how that's designed as well and I think yeah particularly around that area there's there's so much also that that we've separated you know quite often you know business and, and life <laughs> actually what, what what is business for yeah really support an economy that supports life and flourishing mm -hmm. and, and things like that but then how do we have those types of businesses and still um, yeah, make sure that we're supporting and flourishing and looking at our well-being mm. at the same time. You know, a lot of startups that work in sustainability and and um, circular economy or things. You know, they're they're kind of changing the system in a way, but then working in the same mm. system that's built or maybe on a Silicon Valley startup yeah. kind of work all hours, got to yeah. do it fast, get investment. It, it, you know. But how do you really, really kind of maybe really do a complete yeah. <laughs> um, redesign of what it is and, and how kind of it needs to work? I think I think there's a lot about, you know, the slower movement or slower. Yeah, um, I was just thinking that. <laughs> slower living. Uh, I, I used to say sometimes or joke in some of the accelerators that I'm like the person, you know, in the accelerator that will probably make you go slow <laughs> to do so, better. Slow and, and yeah, and actually build better foundations, build you know stronger teams, build mm. better relationships, better products. Actually, in the end, because actually you know traditional system is like, yeah, 
And that leads to burnout, which makes me feel, you know, like the small businesses perhaps may be more likely to burn out and fizzle out because they don't have the, like the depth of workforce, let's say. They don't have that depth in their workforce, should I say, to be able to continue so that you, you know, at the end of every day, you pass the baton onto, onto somebody else so that you don't burn out or you can delegate to someone so that you don't burn out. Um, everyone has their role. But in a small business, maybe you don't have enough people to cover all of those roles. So you end up yeah. doing health, um, <laughs> which I guess is where the big businesses can start to then invest in the small businesses so that then maybe the small, like you kind of said, the big businesses are getting inspiration from the smaller ones. Maybe that's that investment needs to be put there so that they can then grow that side and then the kind of slightly less sustainable, let's say, side of it can start to, I don't know. Yeah, and I think, I think there's probably also um, one area that I've looked at also in the past is the role of um, kind of maker spaces and the community mm. and particularly also again with, with manufacturing and products and material flow, um, a kind of a moved more localised mm. networks. And I think that's also where actually as a small business and you know i probably do this myself you kind of for different projects but you kind of expand and retract when you need and mm -hmm. collaborate with or get another person on board who's doing similar or whatever when it's needed rather than potentially yeah um, this isn't waste in the, the largest <laughs> sense is kind of wasted um potential quite often in larger organizations or wasted value when when actually people aren't really needed for certain things or you know um they aren't able to to really pull in mm -hmm. or be as agile in kind of what's needed for when as well around the kind of the maker space um, or, or space kind of area is also where organizations and, and smaller businesses or product-based businesses are beginning to be able to make more locally Mm -hmm. um, whether it's from 3D printing or more kind of um, you know, sewing <laughs> or things like that. I think what I've seen also is this real kind of rise in, in smaller product or manufacturing, you know, mm. small manufacturing type businesses again um, locally, where actually you, know, you might be able to pool or share resources or suppliers or think about your waste streams and, and build kind of collaborative communities around those areas um, as well more like cooperatives yeah, yeah 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 and i think this is i suppose this is a challenge also for this big businesses but small as well is that actually maybe you're something that might be a waste or a byproduct mm. from your kind of business could be the input for somebody else's um yeah one person well. one what is it one person's trash is another person's treasure Treasure kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. that's really where there's, there's loads of like really interesting kind of startups or businesses now who are using you know, one person's kind of waste as another, yeah, as the ingredient really for their product from kind of, I've seen ones with um, waste potato peelings into like an MDF board. Wow, um, no way. <laughs> yeah, there's loads of really interesting wow. stuff around kind of materials at the moment, really looking at or orange peel into a kind of leather similar 
yeah i pinatex which is a pineapple kind of oh. into leather as well I heard, I, I read something once about um, mushrooms, turning mushroom into a kind of leather. I think it was leather, something with yeah, mushrooms. There is, um, there's one called Biome Home actually, and they make also insulation out of mushrooms as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's, I, yeah. I knew someone once who made uh, crackers and muesli and granola and stuff like that out of the juice pulp from juicing bars. Oh, yeah. It would go round and collect yeah. the pulp and then turn it into crackers and yeah. interesting things like that. Yeah, all it takes is a bit of innovation and like, oh, you've got that there and it's free. Even like, you know, we've got a bus. <laughs> we've got a bus that runs around our area and it runs purely on uh, vegetable oil. Nice. So they yeah. get the oil from um, various yeah. places and it's all waste and then it fuels the thing. Yeah. And I think a big, a big part of what I often say is like, it's almost the opening or, or what unlocks the barrier to a lot of this is the kind of building a more open and transparent collaborative culture. I think a lot mm. of time we're kind of ingrained, like, oh, keep it secret, don't, you know, don't say yeah. this is the problem, yeah. don't share anything until you have it perfect or mm. something. Um, where they're actually, um, and there's, this is where I've kind of collaborated and looked at the, the open source movement, which really looks at, you know, how do you build something, document something much more open and collaboratively. And this again, linked with nature, much more like an ecosystem yeah. network, um, which is far more effective <laughs> than these kind of silos yeah. approaches or trying to deal with a problem or an issue um, yourself, whether actually if you kind of, put it out there as a mm. challenge or an issue you're having, maybe you know, if a few different businesses locally knew that, they'd go, like, oh, we have that problem too. <laughs> How yeah. can we solve it together? And mm. maybe another um, entrepreneur or, or startup might go, oh yeah, I'll come round and I'll collect it all and I'll make uh, cushions or yeah. you know, things that like that. Um, and I think that that's really where you kind of see a lot of little or quite big um, solutions appearing now is from just having more open and collaborative um, kind of conversations around some of these things as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could literally speak to you for hours. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to take up all your evening, but I do have like three questions left. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So usually I ask people something about like, what would they, what would they like, what have they learnt that they would like to pass on? But I wanted to kind of, for you, to make it a bit more um, specific. And so I was thinking about how I could make it more specific. And the question that I was thinking of was what choices, from your perspective, what choices could consumers make to help to make things more sustainable? Um, and that could be something that you've just kind of learned on your path in in maybe frustrations that you have with consumers maybe even <laughs> I don't know but yeah what 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 do you think we as consumers could do to yeah. help? <laughs> so hmm, big one um, I think one of the first things and I always I always find it difficult in talks and things because I suppose one of the first things is that I think the word consumer mm. has become yeah. dominant um in society and the way that 
the public or citizens are, are kind of treated that oh we're consumers or you know exactly. go out and shop and save yeah. <laughs> save the economy mm-hmm. um things like that and and actually it is going back to that um kind of recognition that, that you are more than a con you know way more than a consumer that's really not not the point of you mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and that um you know to be a, a citizen um, to be a community member, to be um, uh, yeah, a, a family, wife, mother, friends, or, or whatever. How do you do that to be yourself? Also, how do you do that um, mm-hmm. to the best of your ability? You know, to be kind, to be nice, or whatever around that. And, and when you unpick it, <laughs> well-being and all of these things, it's it's not often about stuff. Yeah. It's it's not often about um, yeah physical material objects mm. or things like that and I think um, a really interesting connection with that is some work that, um, that the New Economics Foundation did around the five ways to well-being. Oh, okay. Um, so it was kind of looking at for well, what what actions can you build into your daily life and it's, mm-hmm. uh, I always forget one of them usually. Uh, connect take notice, keep learning, give and be active. Mm-hmm. So through these and their kind of evidence-based um, techniques that you don't have to build them all in at once mm-hmm. or things like that, but through these kind of different things from connecting with another person to being active, going out, exercising, nature and all of these different things mm. um, are the things that actually matter and, and increase your well-being and often doing it with others. Um, increases that as well. When I worked at an NGO, we looked at a lot of the environmental volunteering um, activities would also be building these elements in mm-hmm. as well. So a lot of, yeah, like shopping wasn't things <laughs> like, you know, that. It's, so all of the things that actually are the best for us or, or as citizens um, aren't really around kind of material kind of mm. things. I think, you know, there are um, that probably goes on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, that there are basic things that you need, and, and to be honest, I, I, yeah, a designer, I do, I do like nicely well designed things or yeah. products. Um, but I think you always have to go through that, um, yeah, that process of you know, do I really need it? <laughs> Will I use it? Um, how is it made? Uh, is it supporting local? You know, sometimes you might have different, um, I think, connecting with your values and which are the ones that you maybe put higher in others. I mean, lots of important things, but maybe you're, you are more of the kind of, well, I care about the environmental mm-hmm. elements or degradation rather than, you know, particularly fair trade. Yeah. <laughs> maybe both of them's the best yeah. option. But I think it is really complex. So sometimes, you yeah. know, you have to kind of connect and go, well, what is it the ones that I really care about firstly? Mm-hmm. And then maybe how do I go you know, further on my journey mm. um, for that as well. I would I would also say that, you know, yeah, as a citizen or a consumer, you you are actually very powerful because mm all businesses rely on you know they rely on you really <laughs> to, to operate and an opinion can change very fast these days um, on, on businesses and they know that 
uh, you know, Twitter, I think that's kind of one of the main things that Twitter's probably used for at the moment, or, you know, <laughs> general public, <Yeah. laughs> or, or whatever, go, um, you know, you can directly complain or raise awareness around the product, around the business. Mm. Um, that does potentially have the power to, you know, shift something um, quite, quite massively as well. And if you, you know, get numbers together around that and, and we've got a lot of these campaigning tools and, and things around that online mm. um, now it, it can be quite a big influence <laughs> to you know, change people you know, stop buying this or this happened to this you know things around that as well so i think it is don't underestimate you know the power of, of you <laughs> for, for kind of questioning or, or raising awareness around some of those things mm. um, I think, yeah, I find, um, I don't know, I don't know where I stand with all the eco-consumerism things <laughs> at the moment, yeah. um, you know, because I think, I think there is that danger about some of the things that you, you mentioned before about accessibility, about the cost mm. of, of things that, you know, a lot of the more green or sustainable options up front, you know, are often more expensive now because mm -hmm. you know the system hasn't been built to make them cheaper yeah, yet. yeah. You know, some things at least over time are beginning to um become you know cheaper from, from solar and other things like mm -hmm. that but, but still a lot of the other things that you know it becomes kind of aspirational yeah um, influencer mm -hmm. eco kind of consumerism in a different a different form model mm -hmm. as well so i think i steer away from saying any specific things that you really need to buy <laughs> to be more <laughs> yeah. sustainable or eco. Um, Just buy less. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, yeah. Um, and just thinking about your own creativity, do you, A, do you have a creative practice that helps you, for example, if you are, um stuck on something or you know something's just you just need to get past a bit of a block do you have a creative practice for that sort of thing and is there a space in nature in which you like a particular space as in the sea or the forest or whatever where you feel <laughs> at your most creative there's kind of two questions there but <laughs> they might tie in yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> um yeah creative practice i think yeah, definitely. Most creativity definitely doesn't happen on the desk or at no. the desk. It's usually, um, you know, when you when you put the problem down and, and go for. Um, I like running. I like jogging um, out in nature, um, mostly for that. More recently, and I, I was lucky enough to um, the house of a garden the other year, mm. and I realised I hadn't had a garden since I lived at home. So I don't know, fifteen years or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's been a real, yeah, kind of awakening again at just you know, how important kind of doing something where you can get into the flow and hours pass without you know being mm. stuck on a, an issue or a problem, and just you know, it usually just appears or some interesting thing happens when you're when you're out there least expecting it 
trying to think of them. Any other other different ones? I do. I do quite a lot of um, what I find is yeah. Uh, again, the love hate relationship with tech is that you know we have to. A lot of your job does end up being yeah on the computer. So I think when I do creative stuff or stimulate us with other bits of creativity is trying not to use the computer for it so i do quite a lot of, um, you can imagine upcycling mm-hmm. uh, kind of things with lots of diy type stuff um pulling stuff apart see how stuff works <laughs> like a proper um, engineer that's exactly how yeah. i imagine an engineer <laughs> to spend their, their free time i don't get i don't do that enough actually um, but part of the LCA is like you could you sometimes do something called a tear down or a breakdown and you can mm. pull apart a product and see how it's made or you know, ooh, how could that be better kind of eco design type elements as well but yeah I hadn't done a, a lot of that recently and then I did it again I'm like, oh yeah I'm doing proper engineering again <laughs> yeah do it just um, for fun <laughs> yeah but it, with, to be honest it, it, it's such an eye-opener I think um when you Apart, I'm not advocating just pull anything apart but if you do have something broken and maybe you're just gonna shove it into the recyclers or, or something yeah. like that um it's just really fascinating to see how you know stuff is made because yeah. it's all quite hidden and I mean it's almost it's something that I would often do with um students all ages really or even even designers mm. as well um and then you kind of start to think well where did that bit come from yeah is it gonna go and you know where was that ship from and you know you start to get almost like a global map of stuff coming into your little phone or, yeah. or something like that um, i'm quite inspired you probably don't see but i've got a book there and um, i think it's been, like, called things come apart oh okay and it's like lots of exploded Kind mm-hmm. of pictures mm-hmm. of exploded um, oh, cool. views of different types of products where you just see all of the different kind of elements to it as well so again yeah looking at yeah i like to bring in different um different creative disciplines mm. into my my kind of thinking or different views that maybe yeah you wouldn't expect oh engineering isn't isn't necessarily that but bringing in art or mm. something for a different artist viewpoint on, on sustainability or waste or resources or something um, could give different ideas really. Mm. And I think that shows in the way that you speak about what you do and about what you do is that that variety of perspectives and not just focusing on one discipline or one medium and actually just branching out like a tree yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with all the branches. <laughs> Yeah, um, I love I love nature analogies. Yeah, yeah same. Like. <laughs> I'm all about that. Um, and okay, so my last question is: What is your hope for the future? Oh gosh. Um, let's see. It's a difficult time at the moment, really, isn't it? Mm, it is, yeah, it's hard to put anything in stone. I think <laughs> there's nothing concrete at the moment. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of interesting kind of, I don't know, awakenings I suppose, mm. at the moment due to um, a lot of the uh, world <laughs> pandemics and, mm-hmm. and Black Lives Matter um, awakenings for many as well. And, and a bit like we talked about before, that, that kind of, oh, hang on, what, 
what's happened why are we here what what's the world what's the point yeah <laughs> um going on at the moment and i think in in a hopeful if an optimistic way is that that doesn't get brushed under the carpet mm-hmm. um, like you know mainstream mm-hmm. media and all of this to, yeah. to then go onwards and, and, and go on to the next thing and bombard people again mm-hmm. bombard them with consumerism Mm. after after having had maybe a little bit of time to think or a moment of change kind of elements to, to begin to shift but but yeah it's, it's difficult to go against you know the tidal waves of um, the, the system but in a hopeful note i think yeah more and more people are aware connected energized um, to make changes whether it's just within the power of, of you in your mm. in your own life in your own circle but also where i suppose people um, end up in different jobs and different roles and, and take your you know, take yourself to work don't switch off and be somebody else yeah. um, once you get there and, and bring um i said empathy uh, to, to leadership and, and some of those skills that we are beginning to see as recognised as more important <laughs> that have maybe been pushed out of business or roles. Um, but I hopefully that that you know in the the rise of robot bots and technology that enables humans to be more human and Aww. rediscover what <laughs> and what being human is is more about. Yeah. As well. Oh my goodness, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, that's like such a perfect note to finish on, I think. (laughs) The rise of robots will give humans more of a chance to learn what it is to be human. Which I think, in a way, a lot of, you know, a lot of tech, I think I read that also about like washing machines, all of these, these, Mm. they've enabled us to to kind of have more time to do other stuff. But Mm. unfortunately, right now, maybe we spend more time either scrolling on social media or or something like that. But actually, how do we really regain? um yeah regain that time to to connect more you know with nature and practice being kind of humans and citizens and, yeah. and as well. oh gorgeous um before we finish can you just let people know how they can find out more about you website all of that sort of stuff yeah so my website is technicalnature.org.uk and also Instagram and um, Twitter, I think. I've probably got a Facebook thing, but I don't use it that much. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can find me there. I often, you know, collaborate actually with a lot of different types of organisations um, behind the scenes. Um, I'm based in Reading, UK, just outside London. So yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to connect. Um, explore different <laughs> yeah the different ideas and the different um, approaches really for mm. business and life thank you so much this is i i've just found this completely fascinating like i it yeah it's a world i don't know a lot about and you just speak of it so eloquently and mm. um <laughs> well no because you know I've spoken to scientists and engineers before in my real in my kind of real day-to-day life and sometimes it can be a bit like you're assuming I know what you're talking about and actually I don't <laughs> but yeah I think um I I and I, you make the whole topic so accessible and also that I just kind of 
want to really thank you for what you're doing because it is um i don't know if sometimes it can feel a bit heavy for you that you're doing this work because it's quite big but um maybe it doesn't maybe it's like a total breeze but no. <laughs> I, I can i it can, can be quite uncomfortable to really yeah. know sometimes um in because i suppose i work in different different groups mm. intently yeah <laughs> so you might be in a manufacturing um business scene mm. probably only woman <laughs> or whatever and also like oh so I'm kind of the environmentalist here. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm waving how, the flag. <laughs> yeah, and, and how far can I go? And I don't, you know, I think one of the things that I've kind of taken on a bit more recently is like, I think I'm going to go a bit further. I'm going to be a little bit more um, kind of uh, push them, which I, I have already been told that I do that anyway. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> um, but I think it is always difficult to, to gauge, and actually more recently, um, I suppose I realise that I don't, I don't need to talk at so many sustainability conferences or, or things like, that's mm. okay. Like, yeah, they've got <laughs> that. Okay. They've got that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I need to go to places maybe where I'm more uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel, yeah, I really um, feel. And that. I think that's, that's where you can make more of the difference. But actually, yeah, it's, you know, it's tiring. It can be pretty nerve wracking. Um, but then that's where you can go back and you're like, okay, oh, yeah, I'll be with my, my safe tribe <laughs> and yeah. who gets it. And I can, yeah. you know, talk about even bigger things and, you know, yeah. capitalism growth, or, you know, uh, and scrape, scrape the surface even deeper. But yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a mix. I think that's also why I probably work in like, like a diverse mix of people is that mm -hmm. they can kind of even themselves out like I'm working with an NGO at the moment so it's like, okay yeah we're campaigning you can go there oh working with a tech scale up right this is <laughs> um yeah an interesting place mm. well as I say thank you for your work and for being here and for saying yes as well um yeah it's been a real pleasure to have you as a guest yeah. Um, yeah a pleasure to talk to you because I think it's interesting that yeah I probably don't get to talk about this stuff mm. so much <laughs>